So we're going to dedicate this year to two things. First of all, um, in memory of Moshe Ben Shimon HaKohen, which is your side today, it's the Zinberger Rebbe's uh, grandfather. All right? Um, I think it's his 14th Yortzai. So Michal sent the message. So we're going to dedicate this learning in his memory. And we're also going to dedicate this learning that it should uh, bring a, a healthy outcome for a very close and very special person. Avigail Bat Sarah. She should uh, get lots of good news tomorrow, Baruch Hashem, and go into Shabbos with a, a lighter heart and all things being good. Bezrat Hashem. So... Here we go. Parjas Truma. Okay? Parjas Truma. What is Parjas Truma about? What is the, the, the topic of Parjas Truma? What are we going to do? We're going to start building a Mishkan. And what is the Mishkan... Good for you. What is the Mishkan practice for? Beis Amikdash. Okay. So it's a very interesting Pasuk. So let me ask you a question. Is there a mitzvah to build a base mikdash? No. Comes the Mashiach, comes the Mashiach, I never, comes the Mashiach, the Sanhedrin, the Mashiach announces we're building the base mikdash, and Rafi Snowbell gets all excited. And he runs down to Harabayat, he says, I'm in! And he sees a bunch of guys, and they're carrying beams. Gotta start somewhere, right? So he gets under the beam, he's carrying the beam, he's participating in building base mikdash. Does he fulfill a mitzvah? Yeah. Does he fulfill the mitzvah? Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Shh. Let's see what the Rambam says. The Rambam says. By the way, where would I find this? Which sefer? No. Build the base of mikdash. Avoda. Which set of halachos in avoda? Would you agree if we're talking about building the base of mikdash, it would have to be the beginning of halachos avoda? Like you wouldn't start you know, sort of giving halachos about carbon tamid if you don't know yet that you need a base of mikdash. So this is the first set of halachos in Sefer Avoda. It's called Hilchot Beit HaBechira. Otherwise known as Hilchot Beit HaBechira. Okay? The chosen house. This is the ultimate chosen house. If you remember what we said about the fact that chosen people doesn't mean we're better. It means that we have a purpose. The base of mikdash, the Ramam calls the Beit HaBechira, the base of Bechira, because this house is chosen for a very special purpose. Okay, if you build it, it has a purpose. Let me ask you a question. What's the purpose of a base of Mikdash? To allow us to connect to God. Vehicle to bring Hashem into the world. It's the Makam of the Shechina. To conduct sacrifices. Beit Tfilah. Beit Tfilah, Amim. Okay, right? Okay, let's see. Listen to what the Rambam says. You know we're going to start with the Rambam, right? Let's see what the Rambam says. Mitzvat asay. La'asot bait la'ashem. Muchan liot makrivim bo korbanot. There is a mitzvah to build a house for Hashem which is ready to offer up korbanot. So what does this tell me? This tells me that it would appear, at least according to the Raman, that the blue for Rebbe is right. That the purpose of having Besamekters is to be able to offer korbanot. That's a little bit strange. That's a little bit strange. But okay. Now, so let me ask you a question. So now they're building the Besamekters. And uh, the Snowballer Rebbe is sitting here, and he's like, you know, he's stark. He's, you know, thinking about life, whatever. And somebody says, hey, come on, they're building the Beis Mikdash. So he has a chiv to go down to help build the Beis Mikdash, right? 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 No. Because you knew I wouldn't ask that question if it was right. Right? This is the Sefer Chinuch. This is what the Sefer Chinuch says. This is unbelievable. This is what the Sefer Chinuch says. Sefer Chinuch says like this. 
without yet talking about what this mitzvah is. Finoheget mitzvah zu, and this mitzvah, okay, is applicable. Bizman sherov Yisrael alad matan, when most of the Jewish people are in Eretz Yisrael. Now, the implication of that is that if they wanted to build a base of Mikdash in the 1300s, when all the Jews are still in exile, they can't do it. You can't build a base of Mikdash for 300 Jews. The Jews have to be here. Otherwise, no purpose in having a base of Mikdash. This is not one of those build it and they will come. They got to come and then we can build it. But then he adds an unbelievable line. Vizo mina mitzvot she'enan mutalot alayachit ki'im alatzibur kulo. This mitzvah is not a mitzvah yachit. It's a mitzvah for the whole Jewish people. Can anybody give me another example of a mitzvah which is not a mitzvah for an individual? It's a mitzvah for the entire Jewish people, yeah? Pardon? Korban Pesach is definitely a Korban Yachid. Let me ask you a question. If the Korban Pesach was a Korban Yachid, where would I find it? In Hilchos Karbanos or in Sefer Avodah? Korbanos. And in fact, Hilchos Korban Pesach is in Karbanos. Why? Because an individual has to bring a Korban Pesach. Every family, they have to be part of a Chabura, whatever. The Kohen Gadol doesn't offer a Korban Pesach for everybody. Everybody has to be in Korban Pesach. Pardon? The Kohenim have to do the Avodah, but we all have to bring Korban Pesach. He is Motzi us. He exempts us, yeah? Pardon? Hakel, you're obligated to go, right? That's an interesting question whether reading the Sefer Torah, yeah? Korban Seabor. Pardon? Oh, Korban Seabor. Shel Boker. Offering up a Korban in the morning. That's two for two. Offering up a Korban in the morning. You know what happens when you get to three? No, come on. Come on. What happens when he gets three? Dude. Oh, wow. I haven't been here a long... Uh, Shalabet. Shalabet. There we go. Okay, right? So, that's right. Carbon Tomich Alboka. You don't bring the carbon Tomich. The Kohen brings it. It's a mitzvah for the whole Jewish people. Although you could say that's really... Shh. That's really about the avodah of the Mikdash refined. Okay. So we have a chiv to build a base of Mikdash. Let me share with you something really interesting. Okay. By the way, one more thing which I think is important. So, we're in slavery. Parashat Shemot. It's time to get the people out. Makot. Shemot, Vaira, and Bo. Let's get the people out of, out of Egypt. Bo, let's mess up the Egyptians. Beshalach, let's see that everything comes from Akash Baruch And then, we're not done. We're free now. But free for what? Shem has to give us a recipe, Parashat Yitro, we get the Torah, Parashat Mishpatim, what's in the Torah. Right? We're really rolling here. Right? What comes next? What comes next? We, we got out of Egypt, we got the Torah, we got some mitzvahs, what are we going to do now? Come on. Come on. Well, that's what happens, but that's not what should be next. What should be next? Go to Israel. We should go to Israel. Ah, the bloom of Rebbe. I'm not going to say three for three because I know you're not ready for Shana Bet yet, but maybe, right? Ah, we messed it up. We had a Chayta Egel. We started frolicking with a golden calf. I know this sounds weird to a lot of you. Like, really? Like, you could do Netflix or a golden calf, but okay, fine, right? So, what's this doing here? Mishpatim, Truma? Build a Mishkan? Why are we building a Mishkan now? Why doesn't Chayta Egel come right after Mishpatim when it seems to have occurred? Now there's a fascinating Machlokas Rishonim here. Okay? And we're going to call it Machlokas in Rashi and the Ramban. It's a little broader than that, but we'll call it Rashi and the Ramban. Right? Rashi says, 
right? Rashi believes in Mukta Mukha The order of the Torah is not necessarily historical. The fact that this parsha is here, it doesn't mean it happens here. Beginning of parsha, Yitro, Yitro comes. It could be that Yitro came after Matan Torah. Could be. Shatnagmara, right? It's there for a different reason. So Rashi actually says, why are we given a mitzvah to make a mishkan? Anybody know? What does Rashi say? Not sure? Anybody? Rashi says, yeah? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Well, actually, maybe. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could look at it that way. Yeah, okay. Rashi says, because of Chetah Egal. we sinned. Right? Kersh Baruch says, this is not going to work. We can't take you straight to Israel now. Hashem stops talking to the Jewish people, by the way, for quite a while. And then finally, Moshe Rabbeinu was given a mitzvah, build a mishkan. Right? Build a Mishkan. Okay? You know, you made a calf of gold. Y- y- by the way, very hard to understand. We'll talk about this in Kitisa. Very hard to understand. How, how could the Jewish people at the foot of Sinai be worshipping idolatry? It's, that's a crazy idea. That's not the guy who's off on a trip after 30 years married and messes it up. That's a guy who's like flirting under his chuppah. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Where do you ever hear of such a thing? There's something really off here. So Chazal seemed to suggest the Jewish people's issue was not that they didn't think Hashem existed. It's that they didn't know what to do after having such a direct experience with Hashem. What do you do with that? How do you make, what do you do in the world now? How do you make that? They, they needed a tangible way to do something. So they made an ego. Hashem says, listen, you want to understand how to bring me into the world? That's not the way to do it. So I'll show you how to do it. We'll build a Mishkan. And in the Mishkan, there's a holy, and a holy of holies. And the holy of holies is the Kaddish Kaddashim. What's in the Kaddish Kaddashim? There's an Aaron. What's the Aaron made of? Gold. And on top of the Aaron is what? Two Kruvim, two cherubs. Sounds a little like idols to me. Right? So, somehow, that energy of Chet Egel needs to be needs to be funneled, not contradistinctive to God, but with Hashem. Okay. But why is Truma here? By the way, Rashi says that because of Chet Egel, we needed to build a Mishkan. So what does that mean, then? If there wouldn't have been a Chet Egel, there wouldn't have been a Mishkan. And if there wouldn't have been a Mishkan, maybe there wouldn't have been a Vesemitash. Maybe we needed a Vesemitash to make Hashem tangible. Chet Egel sort of demonstrated that. Although you could say that there still would have been a base of Mikdash, but there wouldn't have been a Mishkan. The Ramban, on the other hand, says no. That's not the purpose of the base of Mikdash. The Ramban says there's a totally different purpose of the base of Mikdash. What does the Ramban say? The Ramban says, V'soda Mishkanu, akavod asher shachan al sinai shochen al The energy, the glory, the essence of the Sinai experience is recreated in the Mishkan. That's what the Ramban says. Okay. Still need to understand what this is doing here, but okay. But there's one detail here that I think unlocks the whole story. Right? Let them take from me truma. What's truma? What is litrom? Nope, 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 nope. You do separate truma, but that's what it means. Oh, it's a donation. It's an offering. Okay, it's an offering. Let them take from me an offering, a truma. May eight kol ish, asher yidvenu libo, 
from every person whose heart so moves him. Right? Nidava, what's a korban nidava? And nidava is a voluntary offering. Whoever volunteers, take my truma. And this is the truma you have to take from them. All these different things that we're going to donate. So that's an interesting question. Is this a donation or is it an obligation? It sounds, right? And how does this all end? And they shall make for me a base of mikdash and I will dwell in their midst. So we just said that there's a mitzvah. Right? It's a very clear mitzvah. In fact, if you look in the Rambam, in the mitzvah to say of the Sefer mitzvahs, the Rambam mitzvah to say chaf, the 20th mitzvah, positive commandment, leave no beta bichirash in mikdash. So this whole little beginning of Parshas Chuma is the source of the mitzvah to build the base of mikdash. So what does that mean? Me'et kolisha she'i dvenu I understand. Is this an obligation? Or is it an act that is voluntary? And if it's an act that's voluntary, then how can you call it a mitzvah? Right? It's an interesting question. Right? And maybe one last question. So, when you build, there's something very unique about the halacha of building a base of mikdash. Okay? We know that there's a whole debate about whether a mitzvah requires kavanah. Whether you have to know what it is you're doing and have the proper intention, whatever is intended. Okay? Big machlokas, machlokas rishonim, machlokas sachronim. Many rishonim say mitzvahs don't need kavana. You don't need to do if you're eating mitzvah. Right? It's a sugi in Rosh Hashanah, I think, on Tavchet. Uh, Gemara Rosh Hashanah gives a couple of examples. Um, if somebody uh, force feeds me matzah and it happens to be Pesach and I really don't want to eat the matzah, am I yote the mitzvah? The implication of the Gemara is yeah. You ate matzah on Pesach. Who cares if you want to do it or you don't want to do it? Which is, by the way, a crazy Pesach. It's crazy halacha. But what are you talking about? What's the point of eating piece of matzah on Pesach if you don't want to be eating matzah on Pesach? What exactly happened here? What was the point of that? Okay. The second example the Gemara gives is a person who blows shofar because he wants to make music. Now, I'll be honest with you, a guy who wants to make music with a shofar is a little funny, but okay. But he just, he likes the sound. He wants to make some music with a shofar. Happens to be Rosh Hashanah. And Yotzalo, he happens to blow the right number of kolot. So is he Yotze or not? Right? Okay. So this is famous machlokas. Right? And some of you may remember at some point, I think in, when we were talking about Hilchos Tshuva, we pointed out that the Rambam seems to imply that mitzvahs ain't on tzrichos going. He says, you don't need kavanah for eating matzah. The famous paskins, no, if you eat matzah and you have no intention, you Yotze the mitzvah. But he also says, with regards to blowing shofar, that if a person hears the sound of shofar, he doesn't uh, have intention, he's not Yotzei the Mitzvah. So if you remember, we asked at the time, I understand. By matzah, he says, you don't have to have kavana. You could just do the mitzvah, it doesn't matter what you intend. By blowing shofar, it says, you have to have intention. So which is it? Do you need an intention for a mitzvah or not? Anybody remember the answer? Pardon? Why? Simpler, yeah? No, 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 no. Simpler. Gaviadri, no? Pardon? We'll get to that in a second, but not in the Rambam. So Rabchaim, this is a great Chakira of Rabchaim. Rabchaim Brisker. 
He says, no, 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 you don't understand. By the way, in tefillah also, the first three brachos, for example, Shemun Esrei, if you dive in the first three brachos Shemun Esrei, you don't have kavana, you're not Yotzei Mitzvah. You're not Yotzei Mitzvah, you don't fulfill it, you have to do it again. We don't say it again, only because the level of kavana that we probably need, that the Shulchan Aruch is talking about, that the Gemara is talking about, we can't reach that level anyway. But technically speaking, you need kavana. So Reb Chaim says, no, you don't understand. There's some mitzvot. It's not that you do a mitzvah and you have kavana for the mitzvah. There's some mitzvot, the kavana is the mitzvah. Right? The mitzvah of davening is all about what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. If I have no feeling, if I'm just saying words for no reason because I'm reading a script, it's not davening. It's not that I did the mitzvah that kavana. I didn't do the mitzvah. Which, by the way, teaches you that blowing a shofar is not just the act of blowing it. By the way, isn't it interesting? What's the bracha you make? What is the baltokea make a bracha? Lishmoa kol shofar. Why doesn't he make a bracha? Litkoa kol shofar. Because the mitzvah is not to blow. The mitzvah is to hear. In fact, a deaf person for that reason cannot blow shofar because he can't hear it. So he can't fulfill the mitzvah. He can't be mo to you. Right? Pardon? He has to be fulfilling the mitzvah since he's the representative of the tzibur. Anyway, whatever. Let's not go there right now. Right? Pardon? By definition, no, because he has to hear the shofar. Right? Right? He's putter. Okay. Well, sadder that he's deaf, but what? Pardon? No, definitely not. Definitely not, and there's actually a discussion about whether if you feel the blowing of a shofar, but you don't hear clearly the sound, or if you hear the echo of a shofar, you're not yotzei the mitzvah of shofar. But let's not get stuck on hilcha shofar. So there's some mitzvot for which the kavana is the mitzvah. Now let me ask you a question. Okay? Um, if, um, if you're standing under a chuppah, by the way, it's very interesting. Um, getting a little too alachi. But it's very interesting. The, um, the best place I know to look up the halacha <coughs> practically for today is in the Mishnah Bura. And this is actually very easy to find. In the Orachayim, in Simon Samach, which is the middle of Hilchos Kriyashma. Kriyashma is saying the Shema is about Kabbalat Olmachot Shamaim, accepting the yoke of heaven, etc. So that's really a mitzvah that the question is do you need Kavan or not? So listen to what the Shulchan Aruch, Rav Yosef Cairo. Shulchan Aruch says like this. This is Simon Samach, Sif Katan Dalit. Okay, the 60th, I don't know what it is. What's a Simon? Not a sign. Number. It's the 60th. Halacha. 60th Halacha. Okay. Yesh Omrim, Kavana. There are some who say that uh, mitzvahs don't need Kavana, like the Rambam possibly in Chachamitzumatza. And there are some who say it does need kavana. Let's say it. Be'asiyata mitzvah. To fulfill the mitzvah. V'chein halacha. Shulchan Aruch says, and that's the halacha. The halacha is mitzvah t'richot kavana. You have to have kavana. Now the Mishnah Brura, hey, the Chafetz Chaim here, explains this. And he says, um, Da, shnei kavanot yesh mitzvah. Okay, there are two intentions that relate to a mitzvah. And the truth is, we give a whole shear just on what I'm about to say. I think it's important for you to be aware of this. We're not going to explain it right now, okay? Achat, kavanat alev, mitzvah atzma. The intention of the mind, like when you're saying kriyachma, that you know you're attempting to accept Hashem in your life, you're attempting to, to fulfill the mitzvah of the unity of Hashem, whatever you're doing there, right? Kavanat alev. V'shenit kavanat And the second is the, the, the intention to fulfill a mitzvah. Like, for example, um, and the Mishabura passes this way, and the Sefer Chinuch passes this way, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
let's say you walk into show and you're saying Krishna, right? You're saying Krishna the Tzibur, but your mind is wandering. And you're thinking about the Redskins game, but you said Krishna. Do you have to say? Oh, not read the, the, what is it? The command. The commander's game. Okay, I love that name. We're not just, we're the commanders. Okay, right. So, yeah, good luck to them. Okay, right? Never, right? You should be commanders of Torah. Okay. So you walk into show. Shh. You walk into show, right? And, um, and you're saying, shh. And you're saying, Krishna, but you don't have all those kavanah. You don't have a kavanah. And we just said, Krishna, just like Ilchot needs kavanah. So if you said Krishna, you didn't have the proper intention, are you out to the mitzvah? Why? So, because when you came into show and you sat down to say Krishna, your intention was to fulfill the mitzvah. The fact that you were not thinking about it properly, whatever it is, that, that obviously is a flaw in the mitzvah. It's not the level you want to be on. But you did fulfill the mitzvah. That's not the intent in your mind. That's the fulfillment of a mitzvah. So there are two different aspects. This halacha, so the Mishnah Baruch says, this is very important, people don't know this, right? He says, um, um, one second. The kavanata mitzvah shenizkar b'zeh ha-sayif ain't talui klal b'kavanata leiv l'mitzvah atzma. So Shulchan Aruch, when he says, v'chein halacha, that mitzvahs need kavana, he's not talking about you know, sort of the intention, the deeper understanding of the mitzvah. That he should have proper intent with every word he says, and he shouldn't be thinking of anything else, and he shouldn't think it's a different thing. Right? Like by Kriyashma, and Tefillah, and Birkos HaMazar, and all these things. Because on this topic... Obviously, everybody agrees you have to try to have those intentions, but if you didn't have them, you're Yotze. You don't have to repeat the mitzvah. Right? This Allah is talking about, except for, by the way, maybe the first Pasuk of Kriyashma and the beginning of We're only debating whether you have to intend to do the act of the mitzvah when you're doing the act of the mitzvah. Right, the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah clearly suggests that if I'm if I'm mitasek, if I'm like fooling around with the shofar, and I happen to blow the right kolot, I have no intention of fulfilling the mitzvah. I'm just playing around with the shofar. I'm not yet to the mitzvah. Everybody agrees, right? So it seems that we have to have intent, right? And it seems, therefore, that mitzvot require a certain intent. But with a base mitash, it gets even bigger. So obviously, if you're standing under a chuppah. And you're standing there in your suit, and there's a girl opposite you, and she's in a wedding dress, and you're saying, you know where you're there, and you give her a ring, and you put the ring on her finger, and you say, But in your mind, you're thinking, right? It was Tom Seaver? No, 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 it was Jerry Kuzman. I don't know, who won the third game of the World Series? So you're not thinking about the mitzvah. Everybody agrees you go to the mitzvah. You fulfill the mitzvah of making a Kenyan and marrying someone. Why? Because the context of what you're doing there, it's clear she's in a wedding dress. Your intention was to do that. The fact that your mind wandered. Okay, so obviously, you know, if your mind could wander when you're putting a ring on your wife's, you know, finger, there's something seriously going on that you need to think about. You got to get back to that Ritalin for your ADD. But other than that, right? Everybody agrees you go to the mitzvah. But what about when you bought the ring? Let's say you bought the ring. Because you thought, um, you know, you had, a, you had a pipe at home. It was a tiny pipe and it was falling apart. And you were in a jewelry store and the guy was selling it cheap. This is perfect. This is exactly what I need to tie the pipe together. 
So you buy the ring, and then, you know, somebody else fixes the pipe, and you're keeping it in a drawer, and then you meet this girl, and whatever, and you have no money, and you say, oh, I'll take this ring. So you bought a ring for a plumbing job, and you're going to give it to her under the chuppah. Hopefully you're smart enough not to tell her that. Can you do that? You're allowed to do that halachically. Of course you can do that halachically. You don't need to buy a ring with the intention. And that's not true with all mitzvah. For example, if a person gives a get, when you write the star of a get, you have to write that star of the get with the intention to fulfill the mitzvah of Gitin. If you're just practicing as a scribe and you write a get, and then later somebody wants to use it in Gitin, it's a puzzle. Can't use it. Has to have kavana when you write the get. But even by Gitin, you didn't have to kavana when you made the parchment. When you stripped the skin off a sheep and you made parchment, you don't have to use that parchment, right? You don't have to intend making that parchment for mitzvah of get. The one exception to this is the building of a base of mitzvah. Listen to what the Rambam says. And we're almost there. We're going to tie all this together in a second. Set you free. Right? The Rambam says like this. Ein kol This is the end of the first parak of Hilchos Beis Bechira. Ein kol when you make the kelim of the mikdash, the menorah, the shulchan, they have to be made with the intention that they're going to be used. If you made an incredible menorah, <coughs> but you made it because you would decorate a hall for a big dinner, and then the Mashiach came and you want to use it, can't use it. When you quarry the stone, when you quarry the stone for the base of mikdash, you have to intend that you're quarrying stone for a base of mikdash. Do you listen to this? The Raman Paskans, if you quarried stone to build a shul, and then you didn't need it, and they're left over, and now the Mashiach comes. You cannot take those stones and use them to build the base of Mikdash, even though they were intended for a shul. Why? And why, when we start the parsha of Truma, right, is it all about... So I want to suggest something. It's a deep idea. And I think it's what Truma is doing here. The base of Mikdash is not just a place that has to be built with the right Ratzon. The Beit Mikdash was a bayit of Ratzon. That's what it was. The entire structure, the entire energy, the whole purpose of a base of Mikdash was that we should that we should grow our desire, our own for good things. What a powerful idea. The Sefer HaChinuch points out, right, in discussing this Beis HaMikdash, right, he says the following line. He says, um, We were obligated, we were given a mitzvah to build a place that was pure, that was clean that had only positive, beautiful intention in it. A place to purify our thoughts, an experience of pure godliness, as it were. And Hashem chose that place. And the experience of being in that place which was built with pure Ratzon, which only experiences Ratzon, it engenders in us <coughs> a desire to come close to Akash Baruch Hu. By the way, according to the Rambam, 
who says that the whole purpose of the Beis HaMikdash is to be a place where we can offer up Karbanot. If you accept the opinion of the Sefer Chinuch, that the Beis HaMikdash was basically a place that was designed to fill us with Ratzon, to, to impassion us, to inspire us, then that must mean that the essence of Karbanot is the same thing. To elevate our thoughts, to, to make us think a certain way, feel a certain way. The Ramban says Karbanot comes from the word Karov, to come close to Hashem. Now that's an interesting question. How does a carbon bring you close to Hashem? We're going to get to that in Sefer Vayikra. Right? So what is Vasuli Mikdash for Shachanti Betocham? I want you to make, I want you to understand. Think about this. In the entire world, we dive in facing Israel. And in Israel, we face Yerushalayim. In Yerushalayim, we face the old city. In the old city, we face this place. What is this place? This place is the source of all of our ratzon, of all of our passion, of all of our inspiration, of all of our motivation. <coughs> there was once a place where you could so feel the presence of Hashem, you could so feel the beauty of being a part of something bigger, that you could not go to that place and not be inspired. And there's a mitzvah for every Jew to go to that place three times a year to be inspired. There's a mitzvah to be motivated. And in that place where there's a one second. In that place where there's a mitzvah to be motivated, there's a carbon that you bring. What's the carbon you bring? Anybody know? On the Shalash Regalim? Carbon? Olata Riyah. You bring an Ola, carbon Ola. Now, it's the only instance, I think it's the only instance, maybe that's it. Carbon Ola is normally a carbon dava. Right? It's a, it's a voluntary offering. You know, I could bring it because, like, I don't know, I had an accident and I was saved and I just, you know. So you could bring an, a carbon of gratitude which is a carbon shlamim, or you could bring a carbon of passion, of fire, because you, you just, you just, <clears throat> and what do you do with the Ola? Nobody eats from the Ola. The Ola is pure passion. It's burnt completely on Mizbeach. But it's not something you're obligated to bring, except for the Latariyah. The Latariyah, everybody, what does that mean? How could you be obligated to bring a voluntary carbon? It's exactly the question of Chuma. Because Judaism says, at the end of the day, you have to find passion in your life. You have an obligation to yourself, to your community, to those around you, to fill your life with passion, to fill your life with meaning, to fill your life with motivation. And the Beit HaMikdash is the microcosm of where we see that. Right? This will be a home, right, where the entire world can struggle with what Hashem wants of us and how we can make a better world. That's the secret of Parshas Truma. Everything else is Tosos. It sets a little bit of food for thought on Parsha Truma. Um, I just want to finish by saying, this is our work here this year. You know, there's a lot of people out there, and I'm not talking about the Jews who never have a chance to study Torah. And I'm not talking about the Jews who study Torah, but they never have a chance to develop a deeper meaning with it. And I'm not talking about, there's a lot of people who study Allah, and they just want to know what to do. And that's important. You need to know Allah. But there also has to be a desire to infuse it with meaning. You know, to wake up every morning with a burning sense of passion to fill the world with something better. You know? You wake up tomorrow morning and you have a day in Yerushalayim. You sit now tonight, you know, in a second. You can sit and learn. Children will be coming in. Do you approach the next 20 minutes, half an hour? the opportunity to be in a base meadows in the old city of Yerushalayim, in a structure built by medieval crusaders who did everything they could to destroy the Jewish people. They massacred the Jews that were here. And here we are, we're sitting in this place. Am I excited about this? Is there passion to my Torah? 
Or is it just, you know, I learn because you're supposed to learn. That's what you do. You know? And you can't always be in a state of passion. It takes a lot of work. But every once in a while, you got to taste that. you got to taste that. Little food for thought. I'm precious, Truma.